You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 226. Welcome to The Lively Show. I'm your host, Jess Lively, and this blogcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra intention to your everyday. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you so much, as always, for listening. Today's episode is brought to you by Aptive. Aptive is that on-demand audio fitness app that I truly love using, which combines the guidance of your trainer in your ears as you're doing the workout and an awesome playlist to give you an easy way to work out, whether you are traveling abroad or you're just at home and you want to be able to do it, or even if you're at the gym. Any which way you want to slice it, you can do this workout super simply by just literally plugging in your headphones and getting started. They also now have a trending now feature, which I think is super cool, which helps you see which classes are really popular around with other users as well. So that can give you an easy way to get started on some of the very favorite workouts that are on there. To get a free 30-day trial of Aptive, head over to Aptive.com. You're going to go there on your desktop, click the sign up button and enter the code this is one word, The Lively Show. That's gonna get you a free 30-day trial, which is much more than their regular kind of trial period thing. Then go download the app on your phone and you're ready to get started. I hope you love it as much as I do. All right, guys, today I'm in London and I am doing our July Q&A. You ready? You guys have asked the questions. I'm ready to start answering them. I literally now love doing these just by reading them directly off of my phone and not pre-planning anything. This is just off the cuff, right from me to you, from the question that you have asked. So let's get started. All right, we start off with Justine Curry, who said, what are your must-see places from your world travels to date? I'm planning a nine-month trip and would love to hear your recommendations. Okay, must-see places. Of course, the must-sees are the things your intuition's calling you to. So I'm not sure what must-sees are right for you. However, some of the things I'm most appreciative having visited and experienced would include, in terms of an actual monument or that sort of thing, the Sagrada Familia in Barcelona is the first thing that comes to mind. I just love the whole story behind it and find it so fascinating. I'm not typically someone that goes and does cathedral tours or anything like that, but the Sagrada Familia has a special place in my heart. Other than that, I would say I loved Cape Town. You guys know I'm obsessed with Lisbon, so of course that would go in there too. I just think Portugal is such a special place, at least in my own heart. And there's beautiful places in Italy. I've seen Cinque Terre, but I know the Amalfi Coast is beautiful. Portofino I'd love to see as well. Tuscany, that sort of thing. Depends on your personal preferences. If you're more of a beach person or a city European person, it's really up to you. But of course, go with your intuition. And I would just say the things I'm really happy about. I'm glad I've seen Cape Town. I'm glad I've seen Sydney and Australia. Although I wouldn't say that I saw landmarks or Things from the beautiful views. Yeah, there's beautiful views all over the world. And often a lot of them can sometimes start to look the same. Like an ocean view is an ocean view in many, but not all cases. So I wouldn't say go to Australia just for that reason. For me, what I loved about Australia was the people that I met and my friends there. So yeah, those are my suggestions. And then in terms of actual beauty, oh yeah, New Zealand, I'd have to say. If you're going for straight up nature and beauty and hiking and that sort of thing, definitely make sure that New Zealand's on your trip. Okay, now we have Katie Rushing who said, Hi Jess, do you think there's any parallel to speaking to the intuition and channeling, like Abraham, for instance? Do you think it's the same thing or two entirely different things? Like is Joe your intuition or something different? You may have touched on this before. Love your show and thank you for the light you bring to the world. I 
don't know. So let's be honest. First of all, I'll say I have no clue what's going on here, guys, but here's my thoughts on it. It seems like what I'm able to do with Joe is from a psychic that I've met that has taught me how to do the training on channeling itself that she says everyone has intuition, but not everyone is able to channel. She believes that 5% of people are able to channel. The other 95% may not be able to do the Abraham or Joe thing. So she says everyone can do intuition, but not everyone can do it to the same level. So I'd say maybe it's a level or degree thing. Also, Joe... like Abraham, from what I've learned from the channeling experience, seems to be a little bit more like a group of entities, not just something within myself. It's just my higher self or a deeper part of myself. So the more I get into this, the more I think, yeah, there might be a different point of view there than something within just myself. So that might be a little bit more third party, if you will, like Abraham in Esther with Esther. So yeah, But I don't know personally how to totally tell the difference between my intuition and Joe. If I'm hearing a voice, I'm hearing a voice. And I have not yet learned how to disidentify what's Joe or what's not or what's intuition or what's some other voice or entity speaking through me. I can just hear something and I'm able to share what it says. (laughs) But as I've been going, I can say the level of depth and complexity of the answers, the ability for me to hold on and keep listening for more and more and more content, not just a word or two, has definitely developed over the last seven years and very rapidly in the last year itself. Okay, so now we have JC Mercer who said, hi Jess, if you didn't own your business, what would you do for a living? This is really interesting because I've never not owned a business. I've always been self-employed. I never had a full-time job. I had a few part-time jobs here and there in the past, but you know what's funny is as I think about this, my head just popped to other types of businesses to own. Like I thought, maybe I'd own a store which is hilarious because that's another business. That's not answering your question any better than me already doing what I'm doing. So what would I do? I wouldn't teach science, even though that's something I love doing right now. Maybe I would work at a store. I did think about becoming a buyer for a while when I was in college. So maybe I would have done something in retail. I don't know if that would be enough to keep me going now with my interests in personal development. I don't see myself really as a counselor because I don't do tons of one-on-one coaching. Maybe teaching, maybe teaching a professor of some sort, but I'm not really huge on traditional education. I find I love learning so much outside of the traditional walls of education that the idea of having to go through that amount of education and that formality doesn't seem very appealing, but I guess that would be a way of helping people in a group setting. I love the classes that I teach, so maybe teaching somehow, though I'd have to get through (laughs) all the education I'd have to do to be put in front of the class. All right, now let's move on. We got Michelle Tenberg who said, Hi, Jess. Loved your conversation with Rob Bell. I find Dr. Emoto's work simply fascinating. My question is, what are some of the books you highly recommend? Going on vacation and need some new reading material. Thank you and many blessings to you. Okay, well, I'm going to give you my recommendation. So, you know, I'm really into science right now, spirituality, consciousness stuff. So the recommendations I would give are The Master Key System, which is blowing my mind. It's 101 years old and seems to be so far for me the oldest source of the law of attraction type of work I've ever found and has so many aha moments in it and so simply written and very direct. I love it. 
Also, The Feel by Lynn McTaggart, I've been recommending a lot for anyone that wants to learn about quantum mechanics or just the new science that's coming out in the last 15, 20 years that's so new, even though it's 15 or 20 years old, we are not even living a fraction of it in our daily lives. We're not even aware of this stuff. So there's so much to be said about that. Love the zero point field and everything Lynn shares in there. And then maybe The Alchemist, if you want some lighter reading that's still very inspirational and kind of aligned with this type of way of thinking. Now we have La Faber Wedding who said, Hi Jess, before I started my business, I visualized myself working on it and being successful and happy. Recently, I'd been feeling some doubt and considered possibly finding a new job to supplement my income. As hard as I tried, I could not visualize myself in a nine to five office job again. And in the end, it didn't work out. Then things started to fall more and more into place with my business without me efforting. So my question is, do you think that if a goal is not the right one for you, you won't be able to visualize it? That if you can't see it, to take that as a sign that it's not the right step for you in your life? That's interesting that you had that experience. I would say it proved true for you in that scenario, but maybe that wouldn't always prove true. I'm not sure. That's just the experience you had. I wouldn't read too much into it. Just keep focusing on what you want and visualizing that. I can say in terms of visualization, I have started to visualize the home, for example, that I want to live in in the future. And what I have found is I have begun to focus on that is A, I only do it when I feel aligned and happy about it, not when I'm sad about not having a home yet. And I can tell you as I continue to go back to that place, I'm filling in the details. I can tell you now what the lighting feels like, what the space itself feels like. I can kind of put myself into the literal volume of the space, the height of the ceilings, the depth of the walls, how far the kitchen that I'm standing in is from the living room, etc. Do I know if this will actually work out and be exactly, you know, detail by detail, exactly what will happen in my life? I have no idea, but I am using the techniques shared in the master key system to think about this and see what happens when I put this amount of focus on it. I think about the decorating, though I haven't like exactly picked this exact rug. I do know the walls, the colors, the textures, the types of materials, the general layout. I'm not super specific on a location yet, though it does seem rather urban, I would say. Urban could be in many major cities. I'm not exactly sure where it would be or maybe Maybe the house actually could be laid out differently so it's not an apartment or flat, but maybe it's actually a home. I'm not sure. So we will see. I do know what kind of stools I want to have in the kitchen. Obviously, there's going to be marble countertops there. So that's definitely part of it. And some other details too. I've thought about the rooms and what I'd have in them. So I have become very good as I've continued to go back there again and again and again at adding more details. And as long as it feels good to me, as long as it's uplifting to me, and as long as I'm not thirsty for it, I will continue to do so. And I'm very curious to see what will happen. So let's find out. All right, now we have Hey Kay who said, Hi Jess, earlier this week you mentioned having been sick and I was just wondering how you deal with these unpleasant parts of life while being on the road by yourself and in usually unfamiliar places. When I'm sick, I just wanna be comfortable and at home. Yeah, I got food poisoning last week. It happened on a Sunday night and lasted until about a Thursday. And every day I thought it would be getting better and better. I've never actually had a very serious bout of food poisoning ever. I think it came from a green juice that I had on Sunday night. So go figure, no matter how healthy you eat, even sometimes those healthy things can make you sick as well. And I actually wrote to my intuition about why it happened in the first place. Because you might be wondering, law of attraction, Jess, 
Did you attract that into your life? What happened? And looking back on it, I would say a lot of times people tend to think, I think, when law of attraction, like bad things happen, they're like, oh, did you deserve it? Remember, this is not about deserving. That's like asking, do you deserve gravity? This is a law of gravity. It's not about whether anyone on the planet deserves gravity or not. Law of attraction is not about deserving this. It's not about you deserving what you get, whether you get good or bad things. It's not about worthiness. It's not about you being a good or bad person. It's just about your point of attraction in your vibration emotionally. That's it. Okay, so let me go into this a little bit and then I'll get to your question because I think this is a cool thing to touch on. So that day, I had the feeling, I had the urge, the inspiration, the itch, the excitement to do a little shopping here in Chelsea on my own. I had wanted to do so since I had landed here in London and hadn't had the chance to go do all the little errands and shopping that I had been looking forward to doing. And when I was in Lisbon, I had met this new friend who kept inviting me out on Sunday and kept wanting me to go five or six miles away from where I am, which is very far away in London to go meet up with him. And he wanted me to spend like a whole day out there. And for some reason, I was not feeling like spending this much time out there. So I had this feeling and desire to stay here and to do things kind of on my own and have this fun little day to myself. Then I had this friend putting kind of some friendly pressure, someone that wanted to hang out. They meant well, you know, nothing wrong with that. But I decided that morning to go, instead of doing what I wanted to do, which is have my own day, and then maybe meet up with them later in the afternoon, after I did the things I wanted to do, instead, I went over there first and thought I would get the stuff I wanted to do done later in the day. So I didn't listen to my intuition. I didn't listen to my own alignment. Did it sound like fun to go get brunch? Yeah, I don't think I was in a bad mood going to get brunch, but I was not listening to my deeper sense of joy. So I did go, and then brunch turned into, after getting all the way out there 40 minutes away, it turned into me staying a little longer, going to a pub, just kind of like wandering. And by the time I got back, I was very tired. I really wanted a nap, and I was feeling pretty worn out. My immune system that day, for whatever reason, and only that day, might I add, felt a little low. I remember I was coughing a bit and just super tired. I knew I needed to rest. And I even remember telling him as I was waiting for an Uber to come get me before I left, I said, I need a nap. And I realized I often don't get sick because I think most people that get sick tend to not pay attention to their body signals to rest and sleep when they need it. So I was saying how I was going to go take that nap. Well, I did. I came back, I took the nap, I rested, and then I woke up and had that urge to go get the green juice for dinner since I had been eating pretty heavy through the earlier part of the day. And that green juice is, like I said, the thing that I think made me sick, having done muscle testing and using a pendulum to figure out what was the actual food that caused this illness. So if I had paid attention to my intuition and done the original plan that day, I would not have had the green juice for lunch or dinner. I did go very last minute to this little healthy spot around the corner from me to get the very last green juice that they had in their cupboard. Dun, dun, dun. Isn't that even just right there a sign that maybe that wasn't the green juice to get? Either way, it was the last one, and I thought it was alignment at the time because I'm like, here I am. I got the last one. Look at that. Law of attraction. Well, Little did I know I wish I didn't have that green juice in the long run. But what I can say from my intuition and all of that was saying that I wasn't paying attention to my own inner guidance in the morning. 
And as a result, I think I wasn't giving myself the alignment that I needed, the physical signs and signals I was ignoring, my own desires. Then I was ignoring my physical feelings of actually feeling kind of run down. And I think as a result, I was at a more immune impaired place when I drank that drink. So typically, I don't think I normally get food poisoning because I don't think my immune system's as lowered to be as affected by it. I still think I probably would have gotten probably sick either way, but maybe it wouldn't have lasted or been quite as intense. And altogether, had I just done the morning the way I wanted and shown up for them in the afternoon, I wouldn't have had the green juice that made me sick in the first place. So did law of attraction, did I deserve to get food poisoning? No, but did I attract it into my life by being at a lower vibrational state and situations that match that lower state kind of came into my life? I would say so. I don't blame myself. I'm not upset. To me, it just reaffirms the power of this potential in our lives to create our own realities and also the power of not listening to your own body. No matter how nice your friends are, I don't think it was worth now at all avoiding what I felt to want to do in order to make him quote unquote happy. I should have listened to myself in the first place and now I have this as a huge reference point for me in the future too, to feel really validated. If I don't feel like doing something and my friends want me to do something else, that's wonderful, but I'm going to listen to my signals instead. Okay, now to go back to the question. As far as those four days and being somewhere unfamiliar, yeah, it really did suck. And by the third day, as each day I woke up thinking, okay, this is the last day, this will happen, it really did start to feel pretty lonely. And I didn't talk to many people during it. I only talked to people I'm really close to while I was sick. I didn't talk to my mom. I didn't want to talk to anybody in the States. I don't know. It just sucked. So yeah, I will say it was not fun. But you know what? That's something you deal with when you're on the road. I guess that's all I can say. And I was thankful that I was at Rome. I've been staying here in London in Rome. So I've been in my own bedroom, basically. And there were people around. So if anything seriously went badly, I had people that I could talk to or count on. So that was kind of nice. I wasn't in an Airbnb. But even an Airbnb would have been a lot better than maybe, for example, a hotel room and being sick for those amount of days. So yeah. That is the answer to that. Now let's move on. We've got Drew Elizabeth who said, Hi Jess, I recently made a huge lifestyle change in that I quit my day job to pursue my passion in holistic health and life coaching. I'm finding a lot of people who are trying to dumb down my shift referring to it as good luck, saying things like, must be nice to work from home and I wish I could have that freedom. Did you ever experience this in the beginning stages of your business or do you have any advice on how to deal with the external negativity? Thanks for love everything you do. I would say right now, because you're resisting their comments, you may be attracting more comments like that. So what you resist persists. I would suggest just letting the comments come and go. It's a reflection of where they're coming from. It has nothing to do with you. I know you know this, but it's something to just keep in mind. That is a reflection. What they're saying, whether they're sharing shadows and throwing shade or they're sharing lightness and brightness, it's all about what's inside them that they're reflecting at you. So just let it roll off your shoulders as much as you can. And as you do, I think you will attract or notice it less and less. It's kind of the chicken or the egg, right? The less you attach to it, the less you're going to attract it. And likewise, the less you're attached to it, the less you're gonna notice it even when it does happen in the first place. So that'll be my first suggestion in terms of how to deal with it. And in terms of me growing up, I remember people saying, I could never have my own business. Now, 
for the record, I started my own business full time. I started my first one when I was 1999. So I only knew a 60 year old woman that had her own business and maybe a 70, 60 year old man in Ann Arbor when I graduated and started my business full time in 2007. So in my era, when I was getting started, most people were saying the opposite of this kind of thing. They were saying, I could never stay focused if I was working from home for myself. I'd always be in my pajamas. I wouldn't get any work done. So it was kind of a very different side of things, but they would just say that it would have been impossible for them to get any work done. And my response at the time had been, well, it's pretty motivating when you have bills due every four weeks in the cycle. So I didn't really get too attached to it. I didn't make a huge ego story about it, but I did say to them the contrast of actually having those four weeks that you have cycling with bills and that sort of payment was very motivating indeed. Now we have Olivia Claire Hill who said, hi Jess, just wanted to let you know that you have seriously changed my life, setting me on a path of intention, awareness, and manifestation. I'm curious how you handle when the universe does not manifest something you've been trying to attract or manifest. Do you let it go or try harder? This is such a cool question, Olivia, and a really great question. I would say it depends on the situation. I will often try harder. <laughs> I don't think that's the right answer, but that's what I will try until I let it go. And surrender, surrender, surrender to flow is what actually helps. So yes, I'll have the urge to try harder. Do I think it helps? No. So yeah, I do try to harder and then I kind of catch myself and go, well, that's getting me nowhere. So let me try something else instead. And that usually comes with, I give up help me. If you guys listen to the episodes that happen right at the end of season three, you'll hear me go through a pretty difficult emotional period. And I talk about when the ego gives up versus when the intuition gives up to flow and alignment and manifestations. When you're in the intuition, it's so nice. It's just like, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll all work out. It's easy. You give up from a place of joy. You let go of the perception of control of the how. Does that make sense? So I'm not asking you guys law of attraction wise to stop thinking about what you want. The biggest shift is focusing on letting go of the how of it coming up in your life, how it shows up in your life. The hows are where we are so attached and addicted in our society to the doing, 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 effort, 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 action. I mean, literally what I'm saying is going to like burn so many people's ears to say that you don't actually want to focus on the how because so many personal development places out there, you can turn on like almost every other podcast in the personal development space and they're going to tell you you have to focus on the how. It's not enough to think about what you want. And I'm literally probably the only person out there, one of the very few people saying, actually, you trying to figure out the how through your efforting is actually going upstream and is stressing you out and is the ego trying to manifest this rather than letting this show up in your life through flow. So yeah, we could have a whole episode about that. But all of this to say, I tend to have the urge to try harder to harder flow, that is, but it doesn't actually work. And usually surrendering to what's coming up from the ego and just saying, I give up, help me. And really just dropping it is the easiest way for me to let go of resistance. And then over time, if I come back to it and it doesn't feel so resistant, then I can think about it, but I'll try to think about it from a broader perspective, not so specific. So if I'm getting super antsy about a partner or a place, I'll stop thinking about such detailed parts of those things and think about the feelings that I'd have with those types of experiences and find ways to have those types of feelings in the experiences I can have right now. 
Okay, now we have Jalene Swan says, Hi Jess, I have just started my first long-term solo trip and a new freelance business at the same time. Both dreams come true that I've worked hard for. I'm trying to earn my way and make the most of the trip while also getting my business off to a good start, but I'm responsible for a lot of debt back home. What advice do you have for a new digital nomad, particularly when it comes to striking a balance between working ethics and experiences when you don't have much of a financial cushion to fall back on? Thanks and bless, Jill. Okay, so I don't know about ethics, but I will leave that aside. I'd say ethics, do what's harmonious for the whole because you are part of the universe and whenever you go against the universe, you're literally going against yourself. So in terms of ethics, do what is harmonious for all players involved. In terms of the experiences and the balance between working and experiences when you don't have much of a cushion, your intuition's guiding you on this trip, not me. So you gotta go to your gut, you gotta go to your heart, gotta go to the intuition. I cannot tell you the balance is right for you, but peace and flow and alignment, that is what is right for you, my friend. Please go find your alignment and find that aligned place where your intuition is alignment with the actions that you're taking. That is what you want to find most of all. All right, now we have C. Marius who said, hey Jess, I read and read about the law of attraction, getting into alignment for ourselves and raising our frequency. But what do we do when we're directly affected by someone else's situations? My husband has been going through some hard times since March and can't be at home, lost his job, and now we're behind on rent and bills. We have a daughter, so I'm trying to keep positive, but I feel like no matter how aligned I get, it's canceled out by the situation beyond my control. What do we do when it's not just our personal law of attraction at play? Oh, this is so good. This is such a good question. And I really wish Abraham was here to answer this for you. I'm not Abraham. So I'm just a human who's trying to play this out the game just like you. Really, this is a great question for them. They're already always in alignment. They're going to find that place. I'm just going to try to give my best, which is all I can do. But let's see. What do you do? Well, focus on the five things that go well in your life rather than the one that's not. So does that mean that you negate the fact that these things are happening? No. But does it mean you spend all your time thinking about them? Yes. Don't spend all your time thinking about this. Think about the things that are in alignment for you. Your health, your family's health, the love that you guys share, the connections that you have to other people and caring in your life. Abraham always says, and this is something that this reminds me of, is if five things are going well in your life, don't focus on the one that's not, or you're going to bring all five down to the level of the one that's not because that's your point of vibration. That's your law of attraction point. Or vice versa, if you have only one thing going well and if five are not, focus on the one that is. And as a result of really setting your vibration from the one that is, the others will rise to meet it. Please try that in whatever way it is. If you feel like five things are wrong, focus on the one that's right. If you feel like there's five things right and this is the only thing wrong, focus on the five that are right. Focus on what already feels good, what you already appreciate every single day and watch that appreciation bleed into other areas. Your energy is gonna be better, opportunities, positions, situations, little peaks of knowing the feeling like I had earlier to go shopping on Sunday instead of going to brunch. I should have followed that simple little urge to do that versus the other that. Try to do that in your own life as much as possible and watch what happens. 
Okay, now we have Mila ACR who said, Hey Jess, I started listening to your show about two months ago and I have to say I'm absolutely hooked. Love it so much. I wanted to ask you how you use your beliefs in law of attraction, your beliefs in neurology and thought patterns to explain mental illness. Why do they occur? How can we help manage them with the beliefs that you and I hold? Is there a relationship between the two? Could mental illness just be when we become out of touch with our flow and intuition? Well, this is fascinating, and obviously I do not have a perfect right answer to this. I don't know what's going to happen when it comes to mental illness. However, there are two things that come to mind. One is an amazing TED Talk I saw from a psychiatrist who spoke about scanning, I think like something like a billion brains. He, he scanned like 8,000 or 80,000 brains as he did his studies in psychiatry and he talked about the power of looking at the brains of the people he was studying and finding a lot of holes and damage in many people's brains that have um, either mental illness or I wouldn't even say mental illness, but a lot of disorders or issues that are coming to psychiatrists for, they found there was a lot of brain damage that people weren't aware of that happened to them often a long time ago. For example, I gave an example of a child that had fallen when he was three years old and everyone thought he was fine afterwards because he seemed to recover in a normal way, but his emotional patterns were very different. They also said there was finding trends in terms of athletes and also people in convicted felons that often these people have brain damage that they can help them to recover from when they're aware of the holes in the brain or the areas of the brain that have that damage. So potentially mental illness or the symptoms we see and we maybe assign mental illness, maybe some of them have to do with brain damage. Do I think depression is necessarily? No, I don't think necessarily, but that was something that comes to mind when it comes to the connection between neurology and mental illness. And then also, yeah, maybe if you are really felt outside of alignment, if your neural receptors and your serotonin levels are not functioning properly, that would definitely affect your law of attraction. If you're not able to make good feeling feelings, how are you going to have a law of attraction point of view that's going to have a good point of attraction? I definitely think there is a connection here. And yes, as a result, could be a part of us being quote unquote out of touch with our intuition and flow or potentially trying to reconnect with those might help reinstate some of those emotions or chemicals. I'm not sure, I'm not a doctor, but all of those seem like potential realities or possibilities to me. Okay, now we have Britster who said, Jess, I was recently meeting with a friend who is into channeling and she found my Joe. My friend said her name is Isabel. My question is how can I tune in and connect to her? Oh, well, of course, you know me, I find the automatic writing the easiest. So for me, it's just literally writing down questions that I have and waiting for answers. That would be what I suggest for you too. Write down any questions you have for her and see what answers you literally hear within yourself and write those down and keep going back and forth. All right, now we have Christina Lauren Creative who said, just curious, do you still do the facial massage you talked about back in season one? How often and besides feeling amazing, do you think it's making a difference? Yeah, I talked about facial massage. You guys can Google it on YouTube if you want to see some tutorials on how to do it. I have not been doing it, so I cannot answer this question. I have not been doing it. Not often. Did try it. think it's fun. Maybe we'll try it again, but have not been doing it consistently. All right, now we have SMC8 who said, Hi Jess, in your episode with Rob Bell, you briefly discussed the use of psychedelics as a way to further open your mind. Before I heard that episode, I had a similar conversation with a good friend about how I was interested in doing the same. I believe that my intentions are in the right place in wanting to continue to open my mind and explore deeper, but my friend still expressed worry for me. She knows that I've experimented in the past. However, at the time, it was not for this growth purpose. She's afraid it's something I will want to do all the time. 
and send me down a negative path and spiral. Can you help me explain this taboo topic as something that can be positive and enlightening if done responsibly and safe? I've resonated with so much of your show and always want to learn more. Thanks, all the best. Okay, so I don't know your background and I don't know what you did that made her so worried. So for the record, I am someone who had no drug history whatsoever and was truly coming into this with just an open mind and the ability to find out more about spirit and consciousness and was done and drawn into very positive, very safe experiences with people I trusted. So I cannot tell if that's going to be a scenario you're going to find yourself in. You are going to have to find what is right for you. Your friend is obviously caring for you, but you cannot do what's right for her. You are living your life first and foremost. There may be good reason for her to be worried. There may not at all. Your intuition will be what you should follow, and you can express to her what you're hearing your intuition tell you. That would be the most I can share. I do think these things can be done very safely and for very positive reasons, and just like anything, they can also be done for very different reasons than that and very unsafely. So your intuition, as always, is your biggest guide, and that's, of course, where I'm going to direct you to, and then just share from that place with her, but ultimately, you're not in control of her reactions, and she is not in control of yours. Okay, now we have Aaron Lee Brown who said, how does depression factor into alignment? Sometimes it comes so easily and others it feels impossible. Thanks. Okay, so depression and factor into alignment, that would make it very difficult to find alignment. I don't know if there's really a question in there other than to say it's really hard to feel aligned if you're in a depressed state. I'm not sure if there's a question there, but I do think that makes it much more difficult. Okay, so now we have Cozy.Alice who said, I recently read The Power of Now and Tolly said, we need huge failure or pain to force us into consciousness. We can't only attract positive into our life to reveal our inner joy that way because pain is the greatest true teacher. Can people truly not reach consciousness without trauma? If they can, does that make their transformation less quote unquote true than those who experience trauma? I find this fascinating. This is a fascinating question. Thank you for asking it because personally I have been feeling as I've traveled and done the spiritual work that I've been doing and all the experiences and retreats I've gone to and also been talking to people that are along the lines of insight finder, psychic, that kind of thing. And it has become very clear to me that I think my message personally, not that I haven't had deep things that are very deeply painful or emotionally down. I don't even go into all of those things because they often involve other people. So I don't get into the nitty gritty of stuff that has happened in my life that has gotten me to become the person and do the work that I do today. But I will say, even with those difficulties, I am definitely someone to share from a place of joy, that joy can breed more joy, that joy can lead to consciousness, not just pain. Also, in terms of Eckhart himself, I saw him in Costa Rica last October speak about how he believes that at this point now, there may be children that are able to be born now. Now, he wrote that book a long time ago, but he said that recently he believes that it may be possible for people to start being born without egos, which is really interesting. What would that be like to see a modern day child grow up without an ego? Do I know if any have happened or he's seen anyone? He didn't make any reference to any children. I think he was speaking more theoretically. Think about it, guys. Like, 
whatever age you are right now, and people are just getting on board with meditation, but they're teaching, or maybe you're teaching your children to do meditation at a very young age. I see these little adorable kids on you know, Instagram or other places where these people that do yoga or mindfulness stuff are teaching their very young children how to do down dog and how to meditate. And seeing those things are super inspiring for me to know that children, as they develop, are going to learn these tools from the beginning. It's so exciting and inspiring to me. And yes, they may have pain. They may have things that they'll go through, but they'll have tools, awareness, and teachers, and hopefully guides to help them through that process. Now, that doesn't mean every child coming up right now is going to have those opportunities, but some of them are. So I think that more and more, we won't have to have the same amount of quote unquote pain in order to force us into it. It's almost like we're becoming more sensitive to those things. So it doesn't take the lowest of lows. Now the lows are less low at times for some people. That said, (laughs) I know some people that go through a massive amount of trauma in order to wake up. And I also know people that have gone through much less and are still finding that pain, inspiring them to find a new way to be. So that would be what I'd say. That's my answer to that one. I think yes. And I think that here on the show, I'm someone that's here to help people that are doing pretty high overall go even higher. I'm not here necessarily for those who are in massive trauma. My message, of course, hopefully will help those, but I don't know that that's my gift. I don't know that that's exactly the people that I'm here to resonate with the most. There are many amazing and experienced people out there that have that gift or that point of view or that example and message to share and will be so beneficial for those people. But I think that for myself, I'm really looking at, I want to come from a place of joy. I want to speak around joy and I want to help people become more joyful from a place that may not be as low as some are and they may need other voices to help them through those lower times. And maybe my show or my work may become a frequency match for them as they move through those periods. I'm not sure. It's not up for me to say who this resonates with, but I am very aware that I'm here to share my heart and the message that seems most authentic to me. And those are right now the messages I'm identifying with. I think suffering has its place and we should not avoid it, but I also think we do not need to dwell, live in it, or even over time, I think, have nearly as much of it as we have potentially in the past. So in terms of this pain and it's the progression we're having, One other thought I've had is that in the past, people had quarter or half-life, midlife crises, and that was happening when they're 40. I think that people that are 25, and that's often the millennial generation, is tagged for many things, including, quote unquote, being entitled. But I think what they're also doing in that quarter-life crisis, many people made fun of quarter-life crises as they were happening to people. But I think what that was, was ultimately people asking those deep questions about what am I here to do? What impact am I having? And is having stuff really all it is? Is it just about this pattern that I've created in my own life? And as a result of that, I think people are asking those questions 15 years sooner than they used to. And I think that in the future, it's going to start to be a question people ask in high school, not at 25. So I think all of this is just we're shortening the period of pain and also we're shortening the length of time before we do deep introspection. Do I think that maturity of everyone is going to be there? I think it is. I think it's going to get better. I think that asking the big questions is going to become something that people are asking at a younger and younger age. And I think that is very good. Okay. So now we have Seeds and Songs blog who said, can you update us on your hormone balancing and skin journey again? Can you share any of the healing you made in your emotional body that's helped you in your physical body? Okay. So 
as you guys have probably heard a million times before, have been doing the Alisa Vidi protocol while traveling. I did it for a long time. I also found out in Costa Rica, I developed a sensitivity to eggs and peanuts as well as gluten and dairy. So for a very long time, I was avoiding gluten, dairy, meat was just a personal choice. So that was never for any physical hormone balancing thing. Although I think it wasn't bad that I wasn't eating meat either, but it was dairy, gluten, eggs, and peanuts free (laughs) while traveling for 13 months. So have fun with that, right? So that had been what I've been doing and my skin being the number one motivating factor. Sure, getting my period would be great, but really the thing I looked at every single day and felt very much my ego connected to was my skin. So I have done many things, including eating those things that I mentioned or avoiding them. More importantly, I also focused on supplements of all sorts and types over the time as well. Lately, I have become very big into magnets. If you're interested in what the heck magnets have to do with anything, read the book, The Emotion Code, and you'll find out more. But also, most recently, I've been focusing on retraining my subconscious around, in particular, why I have PCOS in the first place, why I never got my period like a normal person until I was 18 on the birth control pill, and what my body does in terms of how it deals with sensitivities to all those foods I just mentioned. So I can tell you right now, currently, and possibly because of my four days of not eating any food or keeping any food down because of the food poisoning, my skin is extremely clear. And I've been working on using my subconscious and retraining it around all of those foods so that I, from a subconscious level, will not be sensitive to those foods. I'll be having episodes on the show with people that'll explain exactly how I've been doing that in the future, but just know that my current new theory is that my subconscious is control of 95% of who I am, which includes why my periods are on or off and what my hormone balance is, and how my body processes food. So that is where I am currently most focused, is on retraining that subconscious level to focus on what was stopping the period in the first place and also how it processes food. So far, so good. I have some very positive early results, but I really want to wait and see more feedback because periods take a while, right? They take at least a month, if not longer. Often I will have to go two, three months in between them as I'm starting to get my periods naturally now. So I need more time to see more actual results, but so far I'm very pleased with the results and I'm so grateful I am going down this path instead of just only focusing on the how Newtonian level that most people do, which is on the idea that our sensitivities are something we're not able to change and our bodies only work in ways that people currently write articles about. I think you can change them. I think you can customize your body far more than we have been led to believe. And I will just find out more and I'll share it as I go. Now we have Maris3 who said, hi, Jess. I remember an old episode where you talked about noticing changes in the lines in your face and getting upset by it. I was wondering how that evolved and what your thoughts are on aging. It's not fun for my ego, but I'm doing a lot better with it and I'm much more open to ways that can help it and I'm not nearly as judgmental about ways that could help it as I used to be. That has been really helpful for me. I think I used to have a lot of ego around how I felt about the aging process and what you could or couldn't do around that stuff, and now I've just lightened up on the whole subject altogether, and it feels really good. Now we have Haley G.W. Fox, who said, Hi, Jess. As someone who is just diagnosed with PCOS, I'd love to hear more about your diet and exercise routine to help naturally. 
I'm in a really dark place since this diagnosis, trying to do as much research as possible, but no friends or family to chat about it with. Thank you for your podcast. It's truly changed my life. Awesome. And I hope what I shared earlier is something you'll find useful, Haley. As I said, I am going down a very different path than any I've tried before. And I'll let you know as I continue to explore the subconscious and how it may be playing a role for at least my own symptoms and issues. Now we have, it's Mel Lizzie B who said, you mentioned tingly sensations in your hands, which felt like a surge of energy passing through you. But have you felt any other physical manifestations through this growth you're experiencing? Example, I felt headaches and have been through unexplainable dizzy spells and notice it's during moments of intense realizations. Very cool. I do not have dizzy spells or anything like that. I find alignment bumps or goosebumps are a huge sign for me. If I am hearing someone say something or having an idea and I experience goosebumps without any physical thing like, oh, I'm cold right now, I immediately recognize to me that is a sign that something is resonating as true for myself or someone else. So I always like to point out when I feel goosebumps to let the other person know that it is something that I'm resonating with at a very deep visceral level. Taryn Lines, who said, I'm just starting listening and have to know at the end of each episode, do you say, may something wonderful happen to you today or make something wonderful happen to you today? Either way, I love it. I say may, M-A-Y, may something wonderful happen to you today. Now we have Luke Ab. I'm not sure how to say this one. What do you think of the relationship between alignment and alcohol? Does it block your ability to get into alignment? Any other food substances you found helpful or hurtful? Okay, this is really interesting. At some points I would have said, I think alcohol hurts your alignment. I no longer believe that. I believe your vibration hurts or helps your alignment. Alcohol, when done from an unconscious or a low vibrational state, will bring it down. Or any probably very large amount of alcohol would also probably bring it down. But now I would say my answer is if you are in alignment before you drink the alcohol and you have a great vibration already set, I don't think that a small amount of alcohol, not a massive amount, but a small amount would necessarily change it to be better or worse. I think it can enhance a state maybe at a smaller level either direction, but I don't think it necessarily would hurt it, where maybe before I might have said yes. Large amounts, it's probably pretty hard. You'd have to have a really, really, really strong connection and already be really stable. Like I've heard of, for example, certain yogis, and this is all hearsay, I don't know any direct (laughs) stories of this, but I've heard of people talking about yogis that are able to drink massive amounts of alcohol and stay sober because they're, you know, so profound of their power of their mind. So aside from those kind of cases, you know, I think that large amounts might hurt it. But overall, I think your vibrational state is really what's amplifying more than alcohol, though in the past I might have thought it had more effect than I now do. Okay, now we have Simon Dravries who said, I'm struggling with the word deserve. Example, I deserve success, to be loved, etc. Would love your perspective on this. Okay, so in terms of deserving love or deserving success, I find this interesting. I've heard Abraham talk about this, and I think the perspective is so fascinating. So I've said the word fascinating a lot today, haven't I? Well, when it comes to deserve or worthiness, they say that people that focus on what they want tend to get what they want. Therefore, they usually 
And I wouldn't say this is always the case, but usually they don't question whether they deserve or are worthy of something because they have it in their lives. It's actually the people that don't think that they deserve or feel worthy of something, therefore they don't want it clearly enough, therefore they have resistance around it, that don't get it. And so law of attraction proves both people right. The people that feel like they deserve it get it and feel worthy and the people that feel worthy get it. So they continue to validate their feelings of worthiness or deservedness. And those who feel like they don't, law of attraction will then give them that. So they do not get it. They get the lack of it because they don't think they deserve it. So it's not that one is better than the other. Please, you guys, this is like law of gravity. Someone doesn't deserve gravity more than another person. The person that doesn't think they deserve success is no less quote unquote deserving as the person that gets it. It's just that their belief around it changes their vibration, which brings it in or not. Please recognize, think of this like gravity. Whenever you think about law of attraction, you're like, well, how come this terrible thing happened to this very good person? It doesn't matter if they're good or not. Does that make sense? It's law of attraction. It's like gravity. It's a law. It's about something in their vibration not being in full alignment. That is like me getting the food poisoning the other day. It didn't mean I deserved to get food poisoning. It just meant I was more open because my point of attraction was lower. So this is something I would say. If you think about the words deserve and worthiness, I would just drop them. I don't think they're useful at all. So drop them if you can, or just recognize everyone equally deserves everything, period. Okay, lovely little Thistle said, I would love any tips you have on not letting others' feelings get you out of alignment. I have two little ones and a husband and I often struggle with taking everyone's feelings on. Your idea on telling others that I want to share something but do not want them to take it on has really helped my relationships, but now I'm setting this intention to allow myself the same courtesy, to be a loving, caring person who is there for my family but not feeling I need to let others guide my emotions with theirs to do that. I truly struggle with it. Now, I think this has got to be hard, especially with two little ones, because the little ones you can't leave alone, because I've actually heard Abraham say to some mothers, go lock yourself in the room. Instead of putting your kids in timeout, go put yourself in timeout. Go away from the kids and go get into alignment when they're misbehaving. And so instead of trying to make them behave better, which is trying to force yourself on them, (laughs) to go get yourself in alignment and see what happens as you leave them alone. But when you have little ones, this is not necessarily a practical thing. So I can't say that you can do it, but maybe you can remember, since this is a helpful tool for you, when you said you liked, when I said you don't have to feel something as I'm sharing it with you, if I say, hey, I want to tell you, but I don't want you to put this on yourself, maybe you can try that with your kids. Just imagine them saying, hey, mom, I'm going to freak out about not having this candy right now, but this isn't about you. I don't want you to get affected by this. Just even imagining them saying that really adult sentence as they're actually having this little kid tempered tantrum meltdown might be funny and give you enough breathing space to not take it so seriously. However, I'd also give yourself tons of compassion when you are triggered by them because I think that would be very easy to do and also Again, getting as much space from people to get onto your own and to do something that separates you from them and gets your own frequency set on something that's positive. Maybe it's when they're napping or maybe when there is little moments or pockets in the day. I don't know how little they are and how much you have to be around them, but maybe even something as simple as going to the bathroom and taking a few moments for yourself a little longer before you go back into the fray might also be helpful. So those are just some suggestions off the top of my head. Okay, now we have Kelsey 
Smith, who said, hi, Jess, I love your show. It's made a big impact on me and I appreciate you so much. What's your take on what happens after death? Do you believe in reincarnation or multiple lives? Would you compare one's intuition with their soul? I wonder if some people have a stronger intuition, possibly because they have an older soul. I'd love to hear what you think. Sorry for the multiple questions in one. Sending peace and love and light. Kelsey. Okay, this is a fun one. And honestly, I could do a whole episode just on my new Sims theory on the world. And just an idea, right? These are just ideas for me as I am exploring and keeping an open mind. So currently, based on everything I've been reading and learning about science, spirit, etc., what I am beginning to believe is that we, who we are, our consciousness, is not in our bodies. Our consciousness is being filtered through and received and transmitted through the brain. So the neurons that are in our brain that we are operating out of are receiving this frequency, but are not the source of the frequency. I like to say it's the difference between a music box and a radio. And a music box, the music lives in the box, and when the box dies, so does the music too. And a radio, that's not the case. A radio station keeps playing even after the transmitter, the radio box itself stops working. So when we die, I now see because of the consciousness and the studies that they're doing on it, I don't think that who we are, the animating life force, the justness of me is in my body. I think it's being transmitted into it. And I actually would say, I believe in the future, wouldn't it be crazy if they find a way to transmit this through a robot or through the internet or through another body? What's to say if it is a radio station that someone else couldn't tune into that channel or you couldn't set that channel so potentially people could live without the same body that they're in or maybe there are multiple bodies at one time. Who knows? It really gets pretty sci-fi when you think about this. But when I start to recognize the radio versus music box analogy, so many things shift for me. This also makes me think about because of the lack of matter in the universe and how small the actual amounts of physical matter are and how much is actually empty space. All of this makes me think more and more of the Sims and makes me think about souls being just players of this game of life that then will come in and out of the game. My ex would used to play Street Fighter a lot. So I watched him and his friends play Street Fighter and they would play the game and then someone would die and they'd come back into the game. Sometimes they play the same character again, but often they would also play with different characters that had different strengths for variety. So I think that souls are the players of the games. Those are just the term that we use and they play different characters and we are the characters, the avatars of this game. And they learn different skills over the different lifetimes that they have. I think that if I was a player of the game, this is all pure conjecture here, but if I was a player of the game, I would probably want to come in as a lot of different things over the time, just playing different things to have different types of life experiences. And over those experiences, my soul as a soul would learn different things or have different points of view. And yes, if it is like The Sims, and I think about seven-year-olds playing The Sims versus a 75-year-old playing The Sim game, I would imagine a seven-year-old playing with the fast cars and the hot chicks. I think they'd be going out there to dominate and do things like conquer things. I think that those young souls would want to have those really strong experiences that are often maybe shiny penny focused. And then if I was maybe a 75-year-old playing The Sims, or I could imagine them saying, okay, I did that for like the first 
70 years of my life. Now I want to do something different. Maybe I want to do something that might be quote unquote more difficult. And maybe that might be like merging consciousness with another person or doing something that has a long-term effect on the continuation of the planet in a positive way. Because having played so many rounds of the game, you become really aware of the board game or the surroundings or the stage itself. I'm not sure, but those things do kind of seem to play. If I made the translation from this computer game I'm used to playing growing up to this real life scenario we're playing right now. So yeah, I do think reincarnation in that way could be possible or multiple lives. And I have no idea if any of this is true, but currently that seems to be for my awareness of the amount of matter we have, the amount of consciousness and where it resides and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, to me, it seems like that might be a new story to consider. Now we have Jessica Rose MC who said, hi Jess, I've been wondering how you distinguish between woo-woo beliefs you buy into, maybe crystals for example, and things that also don't have rational explanations but you don't buy into, like someone telling you the world will end next year for example. I'd love to hear how you decide between the two when you don't rely on rational systems. That is really interesting. I remember having Rachel McDonald on the show, I think in season one, maybe season two, and I asked her to explain crystals because I had seen all these Australian women talking about crystals years ago, but I didn't know anything about them. And I was definitely on the open but skeptical side. Now I am probably still open but skeptical, but way less skeptical and more just open. I can just say right now, I am just so open, but I use my intuition. I use my internal guidance system. If something feels right, then I will give it openness. If something feels off for me, then I won't necessarily reject it, but it doesn't mean I need to buy into it or live or give it much attention. So sacred geometry is something my friend Faze is really into, and you'll hear him talk more about that soon. It's something I don't know a lot about, but I'm open to learning more about. So I find that the more I can learn about things, then the more I have information that either aligns with my deeper intuition or not. So that's kind of how I do it. I just listen to my intuition overall. For example, you could hear about like 2012 and how everything in the Mayan calendar said it was gonna end. It was the end of an energetic era. So if you said the world's gonna explode in 2012, Obviously it didn't, but I would say that seems unlikely. However, an end of an energetic era of masculine energy, and now that there is a rebalancing and that it took about five years to clear the energetic era, and now we're entering that more balanced stage, that sounds like something I'm seeing examples of. We talked about this with Rob Bell in the Extinction Bark conversation around things that are happening now in the world that seem to be showing the systems of the past, that past 3000 year era, that was super patriarchy based. As those systems start to break down, I see them as signs that something new is arising. So that is something that is not necessarily rational, but has a lot of intuitive guidance or grounding to me. It's something I wouldn't say I'm going to go by stock on based on, but it is something that I find useful to explain my life experience now and just kind of in general making sense of the world, if that makes sense. Okay, last but not least, Nessie Liu said, in Myers-Briggs, I'm sensing type along with the majority of people. How do you resolve this with following your intuition? I don't know because I'm not a sensing type. Obviously, as you could guess, I'm very N, which is intuitive, But how do I resolve this with following your intuition? I think you should still follow your intuition, regardless if you're sensing or if you're 
N type, but that doesn't mean that you maybe have as innate a strength of connecting to it, but that's all the more reason to be aware of it and to develop it. It's not in Myers-Briggs like StrengthsFinder, where StrengthsFinder, they say, just really double down and really hone in on your strengths. In Myers-Briggs, they say that growth is often about spanning the distance and becoming more open to using the other gift you have that may be not the strength that you normally use. So in this case, it wouldn't be about ignoring your N and totally doubling down on your S. It would be about growth would be both. So being able to do both and being pretty conversant doesn't mean you have to be as good at it, but it's just something to focus on. So I would definitely say there's only things to be benefited from with following your intuition more. Okay, guys, thank you so much. Those are my answers to your questions. There you have it. If you have new questions for me, stay tuned on Instagram. You can find me at Jessie as in Crystal Lively. So if you wanna find me there, that's where I will post a little picture once a month and say, hey, ask me your questions, and then I answer them. And for show notes for this episode, head over to JessLively.com slash July 2017 Q&A. And for where I'm headed to next, I am here in London staying longer for a training So until Thursday, which I have a very fun little conversation for you to share, especially for anyone that feels like they don't have as many high vibe friends as they would like to talk about these types of subjects, this Thursday's episode's made exactly for you. May something wonderful happen to you today.